0: Are we? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Come on, Daisy.
0: Hello and welcome to BNT's Fast 30 podcast, although we might have it a little bit longer this week because we've got a pretty interesting guest coming along. I'm Daisy Doctor, and I'll be the ringmaster of today's proceedings, joined by editor-in-chief of BNT, David Hovenden. How are you, Dave?
1: I'm loving this theme music, I have to admit, <laughs> Daisy. I really do love it.
0: So, and I'm bravo, also joined by the lovely online and print editor, John Bastick.
2: Sorry, I'm just a bit out of breath with cha cha <laughs> with David to that music. And uh, hello, listeners.
0: Hello, listeners. So, on the cast today, we're going to be joined by Accenture Interactive Australian MD, Michael Buckley.
2: Well, we definitely don't arbitrage data.
0: That's coming up later, but first we'll be talking the biggest news stories of the week.
2: Well, I would understand that if we that senior salary, you would behave in a manner befitting the salary.
0: And then we'll be moving into the hottest campaigns from the last fortnight.
1: I bet it scoops the pool, mate. I bet it wins a heap of stuff and it'll be, like, wildly effective for them. That's my prediction. scooby
0: Let's talk about the biggest news in media from the last week, guys. Last fortnight, rather. Are you guys ready?
1: Always ready, Daisy. What were the big news stories?
0: The biggest of the week, I would say, especially for BNT, was M. Rusciano, the saga that's unravelling there at SCA. What do you guys think about this?
1: Well, it's funny you mention that because I was talking to um, someone quite senior at ARN and they were obviously delighted with uh, all the uh, drama unfolding over at Southern Cross. Uh, But as they said... uh, all the sort of uh, the tantrums and histrionics is really only acceptable when you've got the audience to match it. So, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, having, the... yeah. but Having said that, you know, the pressure is on. It's such a hot seat, you know, a poison chalice in radio. has ever since Kyle and Jackie I left all those many years ago. So the pressure is on, Miss Uh You know, you chucking that sort of pressure to get the readers, the viewers, listeners up. Uh, coupled with, you know, management, different personalities, it's probably not, unsurprising mm. that that it's as fractious and difficile as it is.
1: To be to be fair to her, though, she has always been a solo performer, so just suddenly to be part of a trio. I feel
0: like that's a cop-out excuse, saying I'm not a team player. Um, Can please. I also say,
2: I understand i read, and I may not be right, saying that she's paid $1.2 million a year. So you, when, you know, you understand what's required of you, you have to behave in a well, – I would understand it. If that's your senior salary, you would behave in a manner – befitting the salary. You yeah. know, sort of of not getting on with everyone and going public with it all and mm. hasn't been handled particularly professionally yes. and
1: uh, no and doubt there's some flaws. Well, you know, yeah, the podcast with uh, Will Anderson, you know, and the potty mouth that came out of that. Oh. And, yes. Not particularly great look.
0: bombs and yeah. constantly referring to it as my show, apparently, rather than
2: they just They just can't. I just don't think they get the talent right ever since, you know, back going back with Sam Frost and... And Rove
1: and... Is it just a question of is no one able to unseat the king... Carl himself. Oh,
0: God, don't
2: call him the, the bigger question, and you ask this at in and, and and Kiss and all these networks, do 18 to 30s listen to that sort of radio? Is that, you know, are they ain't to about that medium. What I gather, and I, I'm not sure if this is true and it's ever fact-based, you don't start listening to radio until you 35. You look at all the people that are on Radio and Successful, particularly in that talk, chat, comedy plus section, your, your Dave Hugheses and your Kyles and your Jackie O's and your, all those others, yeah. you know, they're all in there. Mid forty, late late forties. I'm not sure. There's sort of disconnect between today of M, which is a real youth network, and it's having so. said that, Fitzy and Whipper, Nova who are <coughs> probably similar, married fathers and etc. They seem to have known it. So the yeah, answer is an elusive one.
0: Speaking of 18 to 30, in particular, John, make of uh, the whitewashing accusations against Nine for Love Island's contestants. Speaking I knew you. you'd
2: throw me that very hot potato, so I have to be very, very careful, because it's isn't all-white cast, and I'm certainly an advocate of diversity on our television sets. You know, you know, it's a very, I don't like to use the word PC issue, but to try and hang that on a which you, I don't watch Love Island, but I know they get drunk and they try and fornicate with each other. and
0: can confirm that.
2: They confirm, do. do. Get, get, it happens. sounds like a and t Christmas party. But <laughs> I just think there's some time and place in life where you don't need that sort of that tag stuck to you. You know, the Bachelorette contestant got very similar with Matty J and he was lambasted for having an all blonde cast. My understanding is he was trying to meet the woman of his dream, so he obviously has a certain taste that he likes in women, which were born busty women. I'm not sure putting... I don't know Love Island, but I'm pretty sure putting a teetotaling, sort of quite... Uh, you know, religious Religious strong. person. Conservative. <laughs> conservative religious person on that show just wouldn't work. You need... You know, they, those contestants are vetted and, and... Open-minded, I believe, is the term you're looking for. Exactly, well, I'm, I'm very, you know, is a hand grenade mm. here because I'll get my terminology wrong and yeah. and listeners will lambast me. So yeah. maybe we need to move to the next question before I really stuff up.
0: Not a problem. Mm-hmm. So obviously we're bringing Michael in a bit later. But do you guys want to touch on extension making its move into media buying just before he steps in?
1: Well, as always, I get my news from Ad news. as you know. Daisy <laughs> Arvin wrote a particularly lovely piece on that, uh, where the media the media agency folk couldn't line up fast enough to say what a bad idea it was, and that just makes me think they're probably onto something that's a pretty good idea.
2: Again, they've they've crunched, you know they're number crunchers. They've crunched the numbers. They know there's money in this. Uh, you know, they've of course they've got the creative side with the monkeys now. You know, they've got the dual thing for clients, media and the creative side. Uh, again, it's was contrary argument to that. Being a new player in the media buying space in Australia, A, it's very crowded. B, the established players are very, very good at what they do. So to come as a newbie is going to be difficult. And C, you hear whether it's true or not from existing media players, Yeah, you know, the margins are pretty slim at the moment. Yeah, it's very competitive. The margins are very slim. So, you know, it would be interesting to see if it A gets off the ground and how well they go.
0: So, Nova Entertainment has partnered with the world's largest esports company, ESL. Are you guys big fans of esports?
1: Not at all, I mm. have to confess, oh. Daisy, but I think that's because I'm old. You know, yeah, I'm no, old. So. That is true. No, bro. well, thank you for saying that. It's very kind of <laughs> you. But the whole esport thing does leave me cold, but I understand it's a big thing. It gets insane crowds. So, yes, I'm just not one of them.
2: But to where I agree with you, David, but I agree again. I, yeah, the idea of paying good money to watch other people play. Video games. I could not think of anything more dull.
1: But well, I used to watch people playing Frogger in the arcade, to be fair, when I was What's a kid. What's Frogger? It's um, like a really old arcade game. Oh, it's yeah, awesome. It, really oh, you are sh- showing your age yeah. now, you?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> The EU's General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, um, those laws have started taking effect. Do you guys think that those kind of laws will be filtered down, trickled down to the Australian... Well, tech I c- platforms.
1: I can't tell you how many emails I've had in my inbox in the last week telling telling me that the company that I didn't know had my data is very protective of very that data. Very happy and yes. safe. And, uh, i tell you what, though. If, if you get one that says you have to, you know, click on the button to remain a subscriber of theirs – I've not done it once, and from what I've heard, the figures are as high as 80% unsubscribe rates if Mm. you're in the US. So it's a very challenging time for that. Um, How much it impacts Australia, Uh, hard to know. Certainly, Mm. everyone's taking it as an opportunity to address their audiences, though.
2: Mm. I think governments only regulate when there's a problem. So clearly, obviously, this thing's out of the EU, so the governments over there have recognised that it's increasingly a problem. The people who do this are pushing it too far. They need to be regulated. So it's going to happen here in Australia. I just think you know, there's a stack more data, these these amazing powerful algorithms that they're doing. Yeah, I think it's probably coming our way too. Yeah,
1: it's um. Look, the the from what I understand, the the legislation. Uh, of the GDPR is completely unworkable though, and like it has um, it has an interpretation of a set of rules which is just a lawyer's picnic. So yeah. uh, it's going to be
2: no one understands it, do they? No, it's no. going to be tested very <laughs>
1: severely yeah. for sure. So yes, if you good times to being in uh, in law and privacy law.
0: <laughs> Moving back to sports, hopefully you guys might have heard of this this type of sport. So Cricket Australia is making steps to repair its commercial reputation by signing Alinta Energy as a major sponsor for the national men's team. Is this a move in the right direction?
1: Look, I think we're all... uh Feeling a little bit silly about how upset we got over the whole ball tampering issue. Now everyone Poppy was
0: obsessed
2: with it,
1: completely obsessed with it. I was one of Go, the. Players. We
2: are into the national psyche. We just don't, you don't do yeah. that. We don't. Aussies don't do that. And I think it was bigger than a sports. It was bigger than a sports, yeah. it than a we're sports we're all story. It was the it, prospects
1: it, it, of having no Smith and Warner opening the batting for. Oh, us. cricket's dead in this country yes. for the next twenty years. Yeah. Sadly,
2: yeah. Um, I thought it was an odd deal.
1: Any more uh, odd than a Magellan, though? Magellan, that was odd. No I, one really me... knew what Magellan did. Still. No, I
2: still, still don't. No. So no. that's right. That was an odd one as well. Um, I guess you've also got to look at, from a media perspective, you've had the uh, Seven and uh, Foxtel, JV, buying the cricket uh, for, was it, one, I've forgotten the numbers, 1.2 or $2.2 2. 2 billion? I've forgotten. I think It was a very po-
1: big number, John. It
2: was a very sure. big number that <laughs> I can't remember. Can confirm. So yeah. let's be honest. Having just signed those checks off, those two media players be shitting themselves about you know, their investment, you know, the stars of the game not playing, ratings. So I think there's probably bigger issues afoot for cricket generally in this country. Certainly over the next 12, 18 months. To no, I disagree. I just oh, think, right. our
1: affection for the game, John, knows no bounds. So.
2: I, I wait by my phone to be recalled to the batting line-up. And, yes. you know, it's it's hmm. like most Australian men. I probably think I could still opening bowling. So. Phone's not ringing hot, sadly.
0: Mm. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, John. So moving back into industry-relevant stories.
2: (laughs) Thank God you're asking industry-relevant questions. Mm.
0: Two of the latest kind of high-profile appointments have been uh, ex-MNC Saatchi GM Mim Haysum joining Suncorp and Deloitte poaching yet another creative from McCann. Have you guys been up to date with these? What do you think of Mm. them?
1: Well, I mean, Mim... uh, We knew she was going to pop up somewhere, and and sure enough, she has. Suncorp, uh, of course, out in the market at the moment with the new uh, Money with Sunny campaign that you've all seen, uh, with the little 10-year-old girl dancing around. Do you really? I I love it. I
0: cannot stand it. No,
1: I love that ad. I think it's great. It feels weird. But still, it's not as good as um, their uh, ill-fated go-go mobile ad. For Shannon's Lesser no one Insurance
2: brand. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Which all ended in court. <laughs> Frogger, the go go. We're, we're going back to 989 here. John, you
1: know my affection for the
2: 80s and 90s. You've not moved on yes. since then. No, you no. only need to look what you're wearing today mm-hmm. to know that you possibly not moved on from the 80s. Mm.
1: What did you make then of MIM? Oh,
2: agency people going client side has been happening all the time. Money, you know, you waved a large paycheck in front of you, of course you'll jump. Is it an easier life? Where was I reading today on one of the industry sites, the UK campaign, that I think it said 40% of marketers and creatives were unhappy in their roles. So maybe there's deeper issues. We all move on to greener pastures, don't we, David?
0: Speaking of greener pastures, let's look at some of the most recent campaigns. One that I personally really like is Han's latest from Ogilvy, Sydney. Uh, the campaign launch coincided with the 30 year anniversary of the brand back in 1988. Have you guys seen this ad? What do you think?
1: It's another classic big beer ad. we well, to sit
2: inside. That's the way it's going to be. Little darling, we'll be riding on the horses, yeah, yeah. Oh, I get it, mate, but it's not the most epic pub ad. Yeah.
1: What about "Run to Paradise"? Huh oh, now you're talking. A bit of a parody on the the whole big beer, uh, epic pub tunes sort of play. So, so in that regard, probably not that original compared to work we've seen, but certainly very much you know on genre, on brand
2: for.
0: For
1: a, for a
2: beer. Yeah, it feel a bit old school. And good to see, you know, the old beer brand's been laying low in the, the comedy stakes. I thought it, mm. it sort of hit the nail on the head. It was funny. It certainly had a good ethnic gender diversity through it. They'd got that right. Mm. Uh, wouldn't make me want to drink Hahn though. But no. on, on that, it was a good well, ad.
1: The Hahn light <laughs> ads used to be the best ones. You know, remember the the immature boy? Like... Yeah. Jumping and doing a bomb in the pool. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they were
2: something. very a tough. Yeah.
1: Again, not uh, drinking Han uh, Light. Yeah, the most undrinkable beer
2: in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's, if Han CMO is listening, nothing. If you cases to the BNT office wouldn't placate us. I don't yes. but... think.
0: All right, moving to KFC's comeback campaign by London agency Mother, which we'll have a quick listen to of now.
2: KFC struggles with what's being called the chicken crisis. A
0: lot of people are asking, where the heck is the chicken? My philosophy, don't quit, even in tough times. I just think things have got to be right. I've always given the best that was in me, and you'll always get the best in return. 11 herbs and spices,
2: cooked in the same way today. I had the best bits of chicken that I'd ever put in my mouth. There's no question about it. That's
0: how
3: it's done. And been a looking good.
0: This is the first campaign since the infamous fried chicken crisis. Have you guys seen it?
1: I have, Daisy, and it features none other than the colonel himself.
0: Which you didn't know actually existed.
1: I thought the colonel was a fictitious character, a bit like Joyce Mayne. Correct. Uh, yes, no, he, he was the real deal, apparently. Although not a real colonel. No, I think he was a real colonel, wasn't he? No, he was in the army and then he got oh, right. he left and he was uh, just like a short-order chef. Oh, okay. He specialised in chicken, funnily enough. Oh, OK. Did my research today, John. Thank,
2: thank you, Wikipedia, for the mm. <laughs> contribution.
0: <laughs> Have you seen it, John? Although
2: it's, it's interesting uh, that sort of been coming there for a long time now, and uh, the fallout—you know, people ringing police to to complain that their local KFC had no chicken. Um, to KFC's credit over there, which is obviously the young brands, yeah, you know, they went on really on the front foot this and 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 took the piss out of themselves, which I think is a good way of going. Interestingly, I think their marketing recently has been not. To have the Colonel, uh, he, he's been like Ronald McDonald. All these characters have been pushed into the background, and even the KFC brand has been. So it's an interesting segue back if they're resurrecting old 1980s footage of the Colonel. So
1: are we going to see the Hamburger John? Is
2: that what that? Where means? is the mystery hamburger? Yes. Where is Mayor McCheese? Where is Mayor McCheese? Yeah.
0: The next ad campaign we'll talk about is Diesel's quite strange the capsule campaign by publicist Italy. We'll just have a quick listen to it now.
2: Another day, another meeting. Sit in comfortable chairs, drink coffee. Say, mm? mm, oh yeah, sure. Diesel proudly presents the Capsule.
1: It was very important for me to create a special place. It's incredible how faster and how more concentrated people get.
2: Meet in a room that keeps meetings short.
0: <laughs> So this campaign takes a playful dig at some boring work meetings, which I'm sure... John, you're a huge fan of work I detest meetings. boring
2: work being So I <laughs> empathise because I, you know, I hate, I th- I have a theory of meetings, and this digresses off the ad, that everyone should stand up in the meeting and no meeting should go for longer than 10 minutes is my theory of meetings, having sat through my professional career through a number of them. I kind of liked the campaign, obviously, to do daring and crazy and youth. I think this was daring, crazy and youth. Well, you're sure you're watching a fashion ad, but maybe that's what they wanted. I didn't mind it. It will work well on social media. But, David, I know you didn't like it. You were quite, quite cantankerous. You are raging in the b and well, it office. Well, raging. Stammering. Stammering. Raging. Yes. yes.
1: Look, uh, Diesel is renowned for its crazy ads, right? So it certainly hit the brief in, in that Typically regard. quite sexy, this was, ad, sexy ads. Well, this, this was, well, was, this was certainly not sexy. This, this was, was not ad. sexy. No. It was, a bit, it was a bit... No, not that that's what was wrong with it. I just... I thought that's what was wrong with I it. I thought the insight of like, oh, um, everyone hates sitting through meetings. I just didn't see the connect even tenuous with, therefore we should buy diesel jeans, you know. I agree. They've always
2: been crazy, but do you think in this instance it was Creative Agency, which was publicist Italy, were allowed to go and be crazy and maybe it did miss the mark? Mm. They've probably been wanting to build that lab or whatever, the capsule, for Mm. a long time.
0: Mm. And
1: the first brand that agreed, they did it.
0: Next up we're going to talk about the Canberra in a Can promo by The Works. Have a picnic with friends on a go-boat in Lake Burley Griffin.
2: Or you could be playing with a cheetah cub at the National Zoo and Aquarium. <coughs> or glamping in the naked cubby at the top of Mount Majura, overlooking the vineyard, sipping on some of the finest local wine.
3: Are you can yet? Get down to one of our vending machines, grab a can, crack it open, and get ready to experience one good thing after another. The idea
1: is that the can has it's full of. It's not full of a drink. It's got tickets and stuff. All the main attractions
2: of Canberra. What are the main attractions of Canberra? Well, there's that. Uh, the, there's the art
1: gallery Questacon.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a bit weak. This one, uh, you know, tough thing to to try and get people to go to Canberra. Uh, yeah. <laughs> full <laughs> hard stop. <brief>. Very <laughs> hard, tough, <laughs> tough. Tough brief. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a bit flat, Mister Mark. Didn't entice, excite me to. want to go to Canberra.
0: Moving on to the monkeys campaign. The rich parents you never had. We'll just have a quick listen to that one. Today we meet Aisha and Stuart McFarnlayson. They're looking to adopt a grown-up child in exchange for a house deposit. We've
1: decided to give the lucky home buyer $170,000 to help with their, their deposit on their first home.
3: And they're searching for the perfect
0: first home for the child they don't yet have.
3: Yeah,
1: they can have as much smashed avo as they like now.
0: Yeah. So this campaign is for Porter Davis. It's actually quite funny. Did you guys like it? I
1: did. I, I hate to say it because we're always saying what great work the monkeys do, but in this case they've really done great work. Mm-hmm. Yet again, it was... Um, the thing for me, it was the producer from uh, We Can Be Heroes, a Chris Lee series, who did it, and oh. it really came across. You could feel that, had that... Dry humour. Dry humour in yeah. it and that, you know, you, you're thinking, is this real? Is this like that mockumentary sort of thing? So
2: Everyone in the B&T office had built it up. Isn't this hilarious? So when I went and watched it, I went, ah, probably wasn't as hilarious as I was hoping. I thought it was a bit cliched. It was a bit playing on lots of, you know, mm. first-time mm. buzzers, smashed avocados. John, we're just seeing eye to eye today, are we? Oh, don't you? Know, I love the monkey stuff, typically. Mm. You agreed
0: on something earlier. I can't remember um,
2: what okay. Again, you know, trying to make finance and first-time buying interesting, entertaining, amusing and engaging is you know people was hit and miss
1: yeah do you give did they give away the actual 170 grand I Except mean, what it was the promise yeah, yeah that was the premise Right. so yeah i have to what you will have to watch and find out See, i'm already hooked i'm going back for more
2: there was a good joke where the older woman asks which i believe are, are a gay couple if they're now allowed to get married mm. and it's kind of is not cringeworthy, but you kind of do go ooh at it. I thought that was probably the better part of the ad.
1: Mm. Well, and again, great diversity. Um, the the mother is is, is, is of uh, Indian descent, but yep. plays a normal Aussie. So it's great to see, you know, proper, you know, placement of you know multicultural Australia. You know, and not some sort of cliched role. I, right?
2: I didn't think it bought anything new, really. When you think we're talking about cliches and mm. and you know, dumb guy and, and cliches. I, to...
1: I bet it scoops the pool, mate. I bet it wins a heap of stuff, and it'll be like wildly effective for them. That's my prediction. Okay. Mm.
0: All right. Well, that's a wrap for all the biggest media stories and campaigns for the last fortnight. We're going to take a quick break before we return with our special guest. In the meantime, here's the latest from our tremendous sponsor, audio specialist agency, Eardrum.
2: After a TV ad has been written, one of the first questions asked is, who's going to direct it? I mean, it makes sense. An experienced TV director will know all the ways you can squeeze the most out of an idea. And it's the same with radio directors. But don't take my word for it. Here's why Steve DeLang prefers to use Eardrum to direct his radio ads.
0: I was first referred to Eardrum by my creative director. I work at Impact BBDO Dubai. I hadn't heard of Eardrum before.
2: They're quite far away. We submitted a script that we were fairly proud of. We sent it to Eardrum, and then the guys there helped us rewrite it in a way that made sense and then subsequently helped us cost for it. They really, really helped us out. You know, they had really good suggestions that we subsequently used uh, for for the radio ad, which made a big difference and
0: ultimately, you know, garnered us uh, several awards, uh, including two cans, one, which was from costing.
2: And here's the finished ad he was talking about. How intense is KFC's new firecracker chicken with double crunch and Tabasco? Intense, like typing Google into Google. Uh, more intense. Like stepping on a piece of Lego with no shoes on. Well, uh, more intense than that. Like going in for a handshake and then it turns into a hug. More intense than that. Like finding out you adopted. Uh, less intense. Uh, like putting a battery in the wrong way around. No, 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 now you're not intense enough again. Intense, like jumping out of a plane. Yeah. Without a parachute. Yes. While you're on fire. Yes, that's and it. And then writing an awesome poem about it. <laughs> what? No, you've lost Like it. ordering still water and then uh, getting sparkling. That is literally the opposite of like intense. Like lighting a scented candle to make the room smell all nice. You said intense, not incense. Like watching a documentary about mating rhinos. <laughs> wow. On your grandma's TV. All right, the new... KFC firecracker Wait, chicken. Wait, what are they doing,
0: Nana? It's intense. Make them stop, Nana, please. Well, that was very intense. Talk to Eardrum about your next radio campaign by emailing jessie, that's J-E-S-S-I-E, at eardrum.com.au. Mention b in the subject line and you'll get a pair of fancy noise-canceling headphones for free with your first campaign. All right, it's now my great pleasure to welcome Accenture Interactive Lead for Australia, Michael Buckley, to the podcast.
3: Thanks for having me. Michael, how are you? Very well.
0: All right. Well, let's get straight up stuck into it. I guess it's been a pretty big week for Accenture, considering you guys just made a move into media buying. What was behind the decision?
3: Like our uh, value, if you like, is we bring brand promise and and customer experience together um, to make the world a better place, uh, to live, work and play. And if programmatic media is a part of that experience um, for an end customer, um, then that's why we've got into it. I think uh, we've also seen an incredible rise where north of 50% of all media now is bought programmatically and that's only going to increase as uh, traditional mediums are digitised. So uh, it's not like we haven't been doing it already, but it was time to sort of put a foot in the ground and say um, it's a space that we're significantly investing in.
2: When does it, when does it start? Uh do you have to upstaff, and more importantly, have you got any clients?
3: Uh, so it's already, like I said, it's already been going for a while. Um, the sort of three components that we offer: uh, the consulting services, so um, which we've been doing for ages, which is like uh, either clients want us to help them in house, actually consult on what it is, what's that strategy for programmatic look like. Uh, we've also been helping them uh, with their ad tech, um, moving the ad tech and martech, like what is that best solution? And uh, we have a complete agnostic view on the world. So to us, it's like, what is that significant solution for the client? And then the third and probably most significant um, on the day uh, last Wednesday was saying that we're actually going to be buying the media for the clients as well.
1: The media agencies have been quite quick to line up and say, oh, we think this is a terrible idea and you won't be able to pull it off, which makes me think you're onto something. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what do you say, though, in response to, you know, what Peter Horgan, the head of MFA, came out and was among the people, naysaying?
3: Uh I mean, I, I,
1: to be honest, like,
3: we're just... I think clients, like, you know, the transparency issue is an issue. Um, clients are really desperate to think about how they can own their data. Um, the... You know, the CMO's also been thinking about, well, the CMO's say remit has grown from just owning the brand and now it's sort of like grown into I also need to own my technology. And so it's this, you know, like it, it's it's not new unique, but it's you need to have creative technology and the strategy all together. And the CMO now owning that is also like saying, if programmatic has to have a technology and a strategy and a buying service together. How do I truly understand this and, and how do I understand moving my data in-house? And so a lot of those questions we can answer and it was just time to um, hit the demand that clients have been asking of us.
1: Mm, okay.
0: Yeah. And what's your rebuttal to to criticism that it's a conflict of interest and it's a crowded crowded space you guys are moving into? You're
1: marking your own homework, sir. The good <laughs>
3: of it, <her>. yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I mean... The auditing part of our business is in a completely separate part of uh, Accenture. Um, Like, you know, we would never have a conflict like that with any single client. Um, So Accenture Interactive is absolutely just focused on delivering a better experience. And now that Programmatic, I mean, you guys have seen it as much as I have, it's grown so significantly and it's become such a part of the experience that people have that we've gone... This needs to be a part of it, right? So when I talk about unifying brand promise and customer experience, the reason that we bought the monkeys, right, is because we needed the brand promise, right? Mm -hmm. So who's there to create the idea, the creative, um, entice that customer to come into that resale store. And then our traditional heritage has always been about the experience, right? So, um, you know, we've been very good at delivering Adobe solutions or hybrid solutions Mm -hmm. or Salesforce solutions and it's just this combination of the brand promise and the experience and what sits in the middle of that is marketing services. Mm. And so it's the marketing services that now is almost like the glue between the promise and the experience. Mm. And so it's, um, you know, it's been a really exciting time to sort of create uh, what we think is a differentiated model that clients are after.
0: Yeah, well, I was actually going to ask that. What, what are clients looking for these days? What are you guys finding is the most common kind of quest or...?
3: A lot of, like, customers are so fickle, they're willing to change brand if the experience is not there. And the the number one thing that we are tasked with is how do I improve that experience? Like, it's as, it's as simple as that. And what clients are sort of going is if you can help bridge the promise, like, of that brand and actually go and actually link the technology to that promise, it's like there's not many brands out there that truly sort of can match the promise to the experience, right? And there's always an issue, whether it's you know, implementing broadband, for instance. Like, It's a great sales process. It's a great product. And the day that you have to take off work to implement broadband is actually a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly you're let down by that experience. And so we're tasked with actually thinking about the whole ecosystem. It's like not just the brand. It's not just the end delivery of the product say through programmatic, but it's also actually
1: fixing the product itself. How many creative agencies have you acquired globally now? Was it like 15 or something ridiculous like that?
3: I don't know the exact number, yeah. but, um, you know, you can either, you either have a choice, right? You grow organically or you grow inorganically, right? And for us, the client demand said that um, it we couldn't grow it organically. I think what we have done is, in Australia, we've done a combination of both, right? We've inorganically acquired the monkeys to meet that sort of brand promise to mm-hmm. meet the customer experience like I've talked about. But we've also organically grown the monkeys like in Melbourne. So hiring some significant uh, creative talent down in Melbourne and then growing the business organically down, then, mm. down in Melbourne around them. So the monkeys in Melbourne are certainly set up in Cremorne and um, having a great time.
2: Any marriage in the first 12 months, and I should know of my first 12 months of my own marriage, goes through yeah. some un, unexpected things that maybe you didn't see coming, some teething problems, what yeah. what, what? probably, you know, maybe even client side, that, that you probably didn't foresee that uh, has been a bit more prickly think, than you'd imagined. No, the
3: client <laughs> side's been good because there was quite significant synergies between uh, existing Accenture clients and the Monkeys clients, so that's been great, probably the... You know, the one teething problem um, well, yeah. has been a, a back-end system of how production runs on the monkeys and in creative agencies versus how we've done dealt with production previously. As in, you're quick and they're a bit slow?
2: <laughs> no. Well, it's my words, not yours. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I mean, it's just literally, um, you know, the way that you deal with production does not agree with the way that our back-end production uh, uh, systems have worked. And so... That's just one teething problem that's been weird that we never saw coming. Who's the biggest
1: techno uh, nerd in the monkeys? Out of the three originals?
3: Out of the three originals, uh, I'd say Justin is definitely. Uh, but there's they've they've hired a um, or a guy that actually I used to work with previously. Jay Morgan would definitely now be the uh, the chief nerd. The chief nerd, yeah. Right. <laughs> <It's a> new, <laughs> new term in yeah. agencies,
2: chief nerd, yeah. yeah.
0: Excellent. So you talked before about buying the, the monkey, sorry, was a kind of inor- inorganic way of growing the business. Yeah. So would it have been possible to save yourself 60-odd million and just start your own agency within Accenture?
3: Um, I mean, I, I think about this, um, and I've been involved in M&A a long time. The, the thing for us was what is the demand of these services and can we – organically um, build these service, we'll build these skill sets ourselves. Um, and we've we've been doing both in different skill sets for a long time. But when it comes to um, brand communications and brand strategy and 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 building that culture into an, a similar culture like ours, to be able to acquire um, the staff like the monkeys, and the awards that they've won and everything that came with that was it was a no brainer. Can I can do I, it
2: That's not to say the best monkey staff that you have recruited or uh, bought for sixty million dollars will stay though. There's a concern there that I don't know what their non competes in their agreements and all etc. Yeah. Not just talking about the three founders. Yeah, there's nothing to say that uh, you know you bought and then I've just got a bugger off.
1: But you've done the opposite actually because you've you've recruited Ant Keo from uh, Yeah Clem's down in Melbourne who's one yeah, of the most respected. Yeah. You know yeah. so. I'd and and
3: I think did good. Um, good point,
2: David. I didn't mm. see that one. We <laughs> yeah, didn't I, talk about that one in rehearsal, did we? I mean, made <laughs> you, made <laughs> you look a fool. Uh, Why don't no. I shut up, no, <laughs> Please.
3: But also, I mean, you guys can see how many um, you know the talent that's leaving the traditional you know yep. businesses and mm. coming towards consultancies. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, your example of Aunt Keo is a great one. Um, and it's you know. I think what everyone is excited from the Monkeys Fjord and the rest of Interactive as well as Accenture is just this fact that there's this differentiated model and our focus being about bridging that gap between the brand promise and customer experience is like it's a real problem and a great simplified way that clients are sort of going, that's exactly what I want to do, Mm -hmm. right? I want to create this promise, but I want to deliver the experience against that. And the fact that we can do this as a collective team
2: um, is you know, is a differentiated model for us. In two sentences, can you tell us a brand that you've used those sort of three synergies to to great success? Like
3: one of the technologies that we're significantly investing in is like blockchain against marketing, right? And so when you think about blockchain being such a new technology, right? Like, one that we don't understand. Yeah, we just might. Be, yes. if you were talking about, pro, <laughs> you're on programmatic, but we, were, we were baffled by programmatic. <laughs> yeah, to, to
2: now we've moved on to blockchain. We're uh, completely, right, well, completely stuffed.
3: I'll give you one example, <laughs> right? So there's an insurance company that, um, and its offering now is that if your flight is delayed by two hours, we will pay you out immediately. Like within the second. Wow! Do they still fly you into hours, or do you just get your refund <laughs> left at the airport? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. to yeah. drink, to, drink, like, drink your air. Like, who knows? Your the feed, nuances <laughs> of that right? To drink at the bar. But you have got to think about the back end of the data, right? Like, how does it actually know within a second that your flight was delayed by two hours in order for it to agree to pay you, mm. right? And the and the blockchain technology and the way mm. that it has a distributed ledger is exactly the reason that it is able to do that. And so what's great for marketers, right, is that something that a consumer would have viewed as a nightmare because they know they've got to fill out paperwork and it's going to take weeks to mm-hmm. prove that the flight was late mm-hmm. is now done automatically and it suddenly becomes a great product to market yeah. that was traditionally very ugly and very boring. And and that's what we see, right, is this sort of you've suddenly come up with a way to answer a better experience to a promise that... a than an airline's always wanted to be able
2: we'll to Well, it'd be the on. end of Virgin. Those buggers are never on time. So, <laughs> so Virgin, if you're listening, don't get into blockchain. Right. <laughs> um, you mentioned um, experience and,
1: and obviously the experience company Adobe um, yep. this week or last week came out with their own news of uh, acquiring Microsoft, Magento as yeah. a sort of an e-commerce solution, something they've not had if you accept that Hybris sort of got away from them a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, how big a deal is this for them, do you think?
3: I think it's pretty big because it, what it shows to me is that the small, medium business market is now significant to them. Mm. I think Adobe's traditionally been at the top end. I mean, if you look at Australia, there's not many of the um, larger businesses that don't have the Adobe suite. Mm. Um, and I think their play with Magento is like this now allows us to open up the licenses and open up commerce to... A much wider group of companies that they weren't traditionally able to get to. Mm. Um, Magento also, obviously, being a commerce product, it was a a significant play against the likes of Elastic Path and Hybris. And Mm. for all of us, it was an, you know, it is a very interesting play of the one that they ended up choosing. Yeah, yeah.
0: With all these different kind of moves, what do you think about the changing landscape of Australian advertising? Do you think? kind of old legacy businesses and holding companies will react, how do you think they'll react to consultancies playing in their, in their patch, in their field?
2: Uh,
3: I think the number one thing is that the remit, so, you know, sort of four or five years ago we know that the CMO became part of the C-suite, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, right, it, the customer is everything. Now what's happened is that that same CMO is now being given a much wider remit of just beyond like brand and communications into technology as well. So you can't deliver against the promise without owning the technology. Mm. And so I see more than ever and like the Adobe summit coming up in August, right? Mm. There's normally about 2000 people that attend that, but more than half of them are marketing, right? It's yeah. it's not technologists just delivering the Adobe technology now it's actually the marketers understanding how do I deliver this experience? And that's the beauty of it and that's I see the significant change that the advertising industry is trying to take on.
0: You were talking a bit before about how the monkeys within Accenture was a quite natural fit and everyone got along really well. Yeah. Was that predicted or did you guys have some some tactics in case there were some budding heads or well, what would someone do if there were? You Acquired a company and everyone started hating each other. <laughs> not, no everyone, not everyone's like other.
2: not everyone's like the B office. <laughs> you know, oh, see, so like so I'm confused then. David, <laughs> kiss me, kiss yeah. me, you fool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All
0: right, moving on to just kind of some general media news. What's um, what's a campaign you've really enjoyed recently?
2: Uh, and it can't be a monkeys one. <laughs> it can't oh, I can. Okay, no, oh, yeah. it can if you
1: want. <laughs> one was very good. The um, <laughs> the, rich parents. Parents, the rich parents one.
2: Oh, you like the rich parents?
1: Yeah. yeah. I um, predicted it was going to scoop the pool at the awards this year. Yeah,
3: uh, I, for me, it's Tourism Australia, right? Like, not because I'm a purebred Aussie, but <laughs> mainly because I really do think the social work they've done, like as in the social campaign, mm-hmm. um, oh, that, was, is, that was the
2: crocodile Dundee think?
3: Uh well, not just the TVC, but just the whole digital way that they've managed to get an incredible amount of overseas, mm. you know, travellers to come to
1: Australia. and Adobe showcased it in Las Vegas at this um, summit this Did year. Did they, right? Yeah. yeah, I
3: mean, it is an amazing case study. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they use live Fire, which is an Adobe product, but more than that, it's just an incredible, like how they've managed to get Australians and the world to give them their content for free and then they distributed these amazing images and, and it's also... Clearly linked to great sales. It's a, it's just an amazing campaign. Mm. Um mm. and it does inspire you to want to travel. So, you know, I'm one of those people. Yeah.
0: You know they're gonna make the movie of it now? I don't know if it's confirmed, but it was rumoured that <laughs> really? the, the movie crowds- that they were, telling, they were Yeah, yeah, they're like yeah. actually gonna make it now.
1: Oh there you go. Crocodile Dundee three was was there three? There was three, wasn't there? I
0: haven't even seen one. Have you not? Haven't.
1: <laughs> Worth seeing. Okay. The other two, no. not so much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Um, and so you were talking a little bit earlier about trust and, and programmatic trust or hundred yep. percent transparency as you were talking about. What what do you make of all the current trust issues happening globally? I know it's been happening for about a month or so now, the kind of big Facebook data issues. What what do you yep. what do you make of these? Uh, trust it's, a is real
3: and B, you know, it's part of our strategy in programmatic is um, to help clients fix this transparency issue that exists, right? And so um, helping clients understand their data, helping them understand how to move that in house, how to, um, you know, how customers own their own data now. Like everyone's becoming more savvy, and it's, it's sort of, it hit that clearly hit that tipping point, and it's like, right, I now need to fix it, and I now need to focus on it. And I think it's a, it's almost a combination of um, what clients are wanting to is, a, make sure that their data is secure in a safe place and that they know that it is transparent but b it's also about the client knowing that the data that they're using to make decisions on is also as safe and reliable as it, as they're looking at right and mm. so it's a combination of the two but right? this was a
1: very much this is very much a consultancy solution wasn't it but the, oh. I would have said, you know, like, but now it's com- firmly in advertising's world, sort of thing. So it's almost playing into your hands in a in a in a, in a way, isn't it? Because it's it's a big, complex problem that you know, an Accenture well, or a PwC would sort of normally get called in to solve. So. Accenture
3: Interactive was born as a marketing analytics business. Mm. Um, so yes, we've been doing it for a very long time, and things like, you know, providing attribution models to the whole marketing mix is something we've done forever, mm. right? And so now this sort of idea of like, right, the client's like saying, help me move this data in-house and help me run these services in-house because I need to protect that data and keep it safe. Yes, it does play to
2: our heritage. Is that a worry for the yeah. traditional agencies who that's part of their mix and they're offering to the client that they kind of hang on to the data? If that's moving back to the client side, you know, they're going to start doing that... Well, are they less likely to acquire the services of t- typical? Traditional I
3: don't, I don't know about like you know their strategies, but I definitely, from a from a client perspective, um, it's a significant issue that they're facing. When and, an agency yeah. owns the data, they can charge a lot more. is the point I'm trying to make. Well, we definitely don't arbitrage data. Right. Yeah, that is that is um, a significant play. Last week on the programmatic launch is not arbitraging data and only
1: charging for the services that we provide. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you think is data, uh, I can't even say that word, arbitrage? <laughs> <laughs> that, that goes you on. You don't even know what it means. <laughs> I don't know what it means. <laughs> uh, you,
3: you guys could do it for yeah. B&T, right? You could buy the media up front um, at a certain rate and charge that onwards, you know, that that is not illegal to do that today. Mm. Um, There's an um, it's just a... model for us, John. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> the whole kind of conversation about consumers and how they're handling all this fresh information that all their data is being used much more than they knew. Yeah. The kind of ads the recent answer to that has just been Facebook broadcasting or apps saying to consumers notifying them that your data is being used in this app and this is what it's doing. Do you think that's enough considering how much kind of privacy is not <laughs> no longer <laughs> there's no more privacy. Do you think that's enough? for consumers?
3: Uh, I think it's a start. Um, I think there's an awful lot of education that needs to be done um, by publishers, by owners um, to educate the end consumer on exactly what data is being used. I think, like, did I see only last week that you can now download your whole history from Instagram on Mm -hmm. how that data was being used? Yeah. And I think that's, like... I'm not actually going to do that, um, <laughs> but I do think education on just literally as simple as making your account private if mm. you have family on there is a pretty simple thing that we need to educate everyone about. And is it
0: is it say companies like Accenture's role to educate? Who's got who? Do you think should be doing the education?
3: I think it's everyone's role to educate. Um, I, you know, it is a, it is a big issue, and I think. Um, you know, like as long as we're heading down a, a good, using data for good, then that's where we need to go to. Like, I don't think it's anyone's responsibility. I think it's everyone's.
0: I think we're drawing to a close, but just before we do, for Accenture, where's the next um, acquisition likely going to come from?
3: Uh, we might as well close there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that just about wraps it up. Thanks so much for coming in, Michael.
1: No worries. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks again to our BT editor in chief, David Hovenden.
1: It's an always a pleasure, Daisy.
0: And of course, the other marvellous BT person is <laughs> online editor John Bassett. Thank you
2: for having me. We'll see you soon.
0: And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes by searching BT Fast 30. And if you've got the energy, give us a review. So, from all of us at BT, keep living the dream and we'll see you next time. Bye. Cheerio. Cheerio.
2: Bye